there. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. We've got a quick reaction podcast episode here with me and Chris Whittingham to USA 6, Martinique 1 in the Gold Cup. Chris, thanks for joining me. How are you? I enjoyed before kickoff the fun lineup. We got to see the fun players tonight, and uh, we'll break it down here momentarily. Yeah, this was, I mean, from the moment I saw the lineup, I was excited to see a few a few guys headed by Daryl DK, who didn't start the first game of the Gold Cup. Daryl DK comes on and has, I guess, two goals technically in the end, even though for a while he got credit for a third that they called an own goal in, eventually. How on um, earth was that ever credited to him? <laughs> His header was I, like five yards off target. <laughs> right. That was a little weird, you know, but... Um, I'll throw this out there right now. I think Daryl DK, of all of the players that we saw tonight, has a real shot at being a starter for the A squad when World Cup qualifiers start. I agree, just because no one in the regular, quote, first team pool has really locked that down. Uh, where it's Jordan Peffuck, whether it's Josh Sargent, uh, wh- whether it's whomever. I think, you know, I was actually surprised that we didn't see him in the Nations League before this run of the Gold Cup and, and before he, he eventually returned to Orlando City because he can offer a different element. And one of the things that I'm looking for from him in these games is against lesser opposition, can he show off a little bit more? Because I think we know what his kind of signature traits are, shows it by rising to win the header. You, you mentioned how the Univision guys were calling him El Tanque. Like, it, it, like you can understand Daryl TK as a player, but I kind of want to see more clearly the other bits. And I actually think that in terms of what Greg Berhalter wants out of Josh Sargent and why he continues to pick him, DK showed some of those elements tonight, and particularly in particular the pressing that he did mm-hmm. and how much he was trying to get after the goalkeeper. There was one time where he made like a 70-yard sprint where I'm like, Daryl, calm down, man. Like, <laughs> it's a 70-yard sprint to try and press the Martinique goalkeeper. But I think a lot of that hard running was useful. I want to see more from him in terms of helping with hold-up play, helping with distribution, and, and kind of showing a more technical aspect to his game. But either way, I think he's, he's definitely going to make a case, not just in this game, but probably going forward in this tournament, to be the number nine. And then we'll kind of see where his club situation puts him in a position to be that come September. Right. I, I think this is an interesting discussion because I think it's a position where the USA squad is not as strong. I don't think Josh Sargent is as as good as the other the players at the other positions who are obvious starters up front. You would think if they're going to play with three up front, you're going to have Pulisic, you're going to have Gio Reyna. You don't know who that center forward is. And yet I still feel like maybe for some of the reasons you just described, Burhalter doesn't totally rate Daryl DK yet. And uh, I think we, we've seen that in some of the choices he's made. We saw it in DK not starting the first game of the Gold Cup. So that's something I'm really curious to see. But we did see a couple of moments, in addition to the goals, just like really good poise in the box from DK, stuff that we saw occasionally at Barnsley as well. And and so I just, I have a good feeling, and I feel like he's really moving in the right direction. I will be bummed out if he doesn't move this transfer window and if he ends up staying in Orlando. I mean, obviously he came back to Orlando, has already had a few goals there. Um, but, you know, Daryl DK, I think, is a big talking point out of this evening. Um, I'm curious to hear maybe a couple other guys who stood out to you in a positive way. For me, uh, Eric Williamson was a guy who I thought was very good tonight. 
with his movement, advancing the ball, having an influence on the game in the midfield, and in my opinion, had a, a more positive influence on this game than Gianluca Buzio did. I agree. I, I think Buzio's performance was a bit more up and down. Now, let's not to say that Williamson didn't have down moments. I was actually interested in how Stuart Holden on the FS1 broadcast was kind of breaking down the technical elements of central midfield play and kind of getting into, well, here's what I want to see more from in terms of Williamson and Busio. But Williamson in particular, there are moments, I think, when that back three was struggling to play forward. And I think... The, the wingbacks and the three up top were kind of so far separated that it really needed those two in the middle, Busio and Williamson, to get the ball to them. Busio was always going to do it with his passing, but what Williamson demonstrated is actually something that I'd like to say a bit more of from Weston McKenney when he plays for this team, which is a progression of the ball by dribbling it forward. By He had a couple of turn one way, turn the other. He had showed some fairly remarkable skills in terms of being able to manipulate the ball and manipulate space with his touches and with his runs that was really impressive and obviously was involved heavily in the first goal, spraying that ball out to George Bellow, which then was whipped in by Matthew Hoppe. And I, I think just generally demonstrated some good skill in that central midfield area. So you can understand a lot of people who watch MLS week in, week out, and, and have you know been keeping an eye on Portland have been saying Eric Williamson should have been called into the gold. I'm sorry, into the Olympic qualifying team, and should have gotten a chance with this team as well. And he showed that tonight. He showed the skills that are on offer. And I actually think in some ways it's different than what a lot of the central midfield players in the current player pool offer. I really do wish Williamson had been involved in the Olympic qualifying tournament. I think he could have made a difference there. Same thing with Jeremy Abobasi, his teammate with Portland, who also wasn't called up. You mentioned Matthew Hoppe. Two good passes leading to the first two U.S. goals. And I don't always think of Hoppe necessarily as a winger. You know, this was a 4-3-3 and he was starting out wide. Uh, and yet, pretty good. You know, and and he seemed to have you know good vision. Worked well with DK a couple of times. This this was pretty good stuff. I loved his performance, and and you're right. He's playing slightly out of position, playing as kind of the left forward in a three four three, but was still able to be immensely positive. I actually describe his performance as Bundesliga e. Like he was <laughs> he was like really direct. Like was trying to play really sharp through balls in behind. Was just kind of out of speed that was different to anyone else on the field. Like, he was just buzzing around and was trying to kind of create the action nonstop. And I think it was kind of taking a lot of cues from how Bundesliga matches play out. But I loved his performance. I thought he showed a real dynamism. And in the talk about Daryl DK and the talk about the other forwards, I think Matthew Hoppe sometimes gets left out because there was a couple flashes in the pan. He's playing for a bad Schalke team. We'll see how he ends up playing, whether it's with Bundesliga 2, with with Schalke, or perhaps moving to another club. I think he's got something to offer. I really liked what I saw from him tonight. I hadn't seen that kind of performance from him, mostly because when you watch him play for Schalke, they don't have the ball. They're the worst team. And so in some ways, it was kind of cool to see him play in a team where they're obviously the better team and he can kind of express himself. I thought he offered a lot. Am I being overly alarmist in wondering, worrying that Schalke might get relegated again this next <laughs> no, season? No, uh. you're not not alarmist at all. Not on the evidence that I saw. I mean, Schalke, if, you, if the question is, is there lower that Schalke can go? The answer is yes. I just got Sunderland written all over. I hope he gets out of there, to be honest. Um, I mean, there was an interesting sort of report that filtered out on Twitter, and I'm not sure who reported it first, that Manchester United had a scout at the game tonight. And it would be fun to sort of ask, you know, play the game. 
well, who is he there to see, he or she? Um, and if I'm just speculating as I thought about this, it could be anybody, but I think it might be Matthew Hoppy. Like, hmm. and that's only if you believe some of these reports out there that Schalke has gotten interest from like really elite clubs in Matthew Hoppy, because that's certainly been what the reports have been occasionally over time. And sometimes when I've heard them, I'm kind of like, really? Um, I mean, Hoppy's a very promising player. Don't get me wrong. We've had him on the podcast here and great kid. Um, apparently buddies with Christian Pulisic. Now they hung out over uh, down in, your neck of the woods in Jupiter, Florida. Um, yeah, if, if, if Instagram is any indication, they, they appear to be the best of friends. Is, is that how we judge friends now? It's like, who's on Instagram together? Because I, I'm right there with you. Um, so it, it could be somebody else that maybe they were uh, United was looking at. Who knows? And also, there's so many great stories from over the years, from soccer and even other sports, of Scout comes to see one player and, and likes another player and that player ends up being the one who who goes somewhere so you don't want to read too much into it but it was kind of fun for me to think of I, I i certainly would love to see some premier league teams be interested in daryl dk i don't think man united would be one of them quite yet yeah i think that's probably a step too far i'd, I'd actually i mean there's some premier league sides that play a good brand of football that I think he'd be well suited to. I, I kind of long been in favor of him moving to Brighton just because they're a team that create yeah. a bunch of chances and just need a proven goal scorer. So I, I think he, he certainly can go there. But yeah, I think that you know I think the Premier League is gonna be in for him because he was probably one of the biggest stories in the Championship in the second half of last season. And generally, those players that are excelling at the very highest level of the Championship in towards those promotion places get a look in from the kind of lower end of the. Premier League sides and there are a few that I think it wouldn't be disastrous right like if he goes to Newcastle they probably wouldn't love that um, playing for Steve Bruce but there are a few managers that play a decent brand where I think Daryl DK can grow as a player by playing in the Premier League one other guy I want to talk about is James Sands who yeah. got his first start for the national team tonight and I thought he was terrific I, I just very much be wise beyond his years. Looked like he belonged out there. Like just a really impressive performance. Did, I don't recall him making any major mistakes. Can you? No, I can't. And that's a difficult role to play. The anchor of the back three. The one thing in terms of projecting him going forward is that it doesn't seem like NYCFC are playing him as a hold the midfield player. And he's not really a center back in a four either. So this kind of like, uh, now this is a role to play, right? I mean, maybe there are managers across the world game that, you know, can use a player whose specific role is anchor of a back three, but He's got a good passing range, but maybe not an elite passing range. He's got good mobility, but maybe not elite mobility to kind of anchor the three in midfield that Burhalter likes to play with. So I'll be curious to see what his next step is. But in terms of the, in this role, he's kind of overqualified to be a center back and so was able to really help the U.S. progress the ball going forward. If they're going to play this system for the remainder of the tournament, this has to be the guy who anchors it. James Sands does a great job of kind of allowing it to offer a solid base defensively while mm -hmm. also 
he has that passing ability on a level above Walker Zimmerman or Miles Robinson in particular, in my view, where he can allow the team to come forward from that shape rather than just kind of be stuck playing amongst the back three. Yeah, I mean, like, as with everything tonight, it's Martinique, it's Martinique, it's Martinique. So you got to keep that in mind and, and not take too much away. And, and with players, especially like DK, you want to see him do it against better CONCACAF teams, which I think he's capable of doing. But I liked the tactical flexibility tonight to come out in a 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1, whatever you want to call it. Um, and in this U.S. team seemed like it was prepared well to do that by Greg Berhalter. I do want to say, if there's going to be like maybe one negative on the U.S. tonight, uh, the penalty from Acosta right after he came on, not great. Now, he was potentially not in the 18, so maybe it wasn't a penalty. Uh, if you look at the replay and and... Like, I think that was a disputable call in that regard. But still, even if it were a foul, it was a really silly foul in a bad place. Uh, And it ended up costing the U.S. a goal. And that goal ended up making the difference in the U.S. not overtaking Canada uh, for first place in the group. So despite a 6-1 win, the U.S. is still in second place in the group. Now they have to win against Canada in the final game of the group to win the group. And if you win the group, then you avoid being in the side on the bracket uh, with potentially Mexico. Uh, and you don't want to be in the same side of the bracket as Mexico. That wouldn't be good. So like, that's the one thing that's a bummer a little bit about, about tonight. Because you could see even when Joe Aquini got his very late goal to make it 6-1, Greg Berhalter was waving Pressing. them back, basically saying, stop celebrating. We still need one more to go into first place in this group. They didn't end up getting the goal. It is what it is. You want to beat Canada in, in the, the final game of the group. But I don't think Acosta probably helped him with helped himself with Greg Berhalter at night. No, I mean, Kellen Acosta is going to have a role with this national team just because he offers so much positional versatility. But... There were a few moments tonight where, you know, even though, yes, it's Martinique, uh, you know, Miles Robinson got caught in the ball once and allowed Martinique to break break forward with a chance. They had a couple of opportunities just to come forward. And ultimately, the interest for me is how the U.S. put out fires, right? Because of the nature of their system in, in this Gold Cup, because of the way that they play. I mean, we saw in the Nations League as well. It's a system that requires the putting out of fires. And so Kellen Acosta has to be smarter there than putting in a challenge to give away a penalty, no matter the amount of doubt there is in that decision. So, yeah, I I agree. That that is probably the downside. You don't want to give away a goal against Martinique. You don't want to put yourself in a position to have to win. Particularly, I think Berhalter probably want to get some portion of that job done tonight because it's a short turnaround. You're going Thursday to Sunday. Uh, I imagine he'll rotate the squad even further, and you don't want to have to put in a a massive effort in order to get through. Now, it's a really interesting game. Canada has probably brought a stronger squad than the U.S. have brought, and we'll see how they match up, although Canada don't have a a couple of their big players, but still have started the tournament similarly strongly to the U.S., as evidenced by the fact that they lead them in the group standing. So that'll be an interesting one on Sunday. Now it kind of becomes uh, even more interesting as a result of the fact that the U.S. couldn't overturn the goal difference. I'm actually looking forward to some smack talk from John Herdman, the Canada coach, who has done this for many years, including uh, when he was the Canada women's coach. And I think we'll probably get some from him in the days leading up to the game, or at least the couple of days. Uh, And 
I also wanted to to get your sense. So I watched the game tonight in Spanish on Univision, and I started watching in English. And in both broadcasts, do terrific work. So that's it's not necessarily one or the other. But I switched to Spanish because I'm a cord cutter, and I have FotMob on the app on my phone, and the delay on the Fox broadcast meant that I was getting alerts on my phone. This has happened before about U.S. goals before I saw them on my screen. And so I switched to my HD antenna and started watching on Univision, and that was just a much better way to go. This is why I watch the HD antenna whenever possible, because <laughs> I, 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 I want to watch like the most ahead feed, even like for the NBA Finals. I have, I have cable. Uh, it comes with my building, but I watch on the H- I watch the the ABC feed on my antenna because it's like four <laughs> seconds ahead, and for me it's like I get to live in the future, right? Like my timeline is reacting to something that I already seen. Yeah, like if you're trying to second screen, if you're trying to watch with friends on text, if you're trying to you know ha- have an app that gives you notifications, and I will say the one thing about the Fop Mob is I get player notifications, and right. uh, like a lot of them play for the U.S., right? So I have like eleven notifications of who's starting, who's on the bench, who's scoring, who's assisting who's getting yellow cards and I'm like I don't need this many notifications on the game but uh but yeah it's like it is it is definitely uh a first world problem but still a problem nonetheless in the in the streaming era the delay man it can be really difficult it can be really annoying to second screen when you're trying to scream when trying to stream a game and do other stuff on technology you know the only thing I can compare to this feeling when you talk about living in the future is I remember at the 2011 Women's World Cup final when the U.S. went to penalties against Japan, and I'm in the stadium, and I was tweeting each kick because it was the World Cup final. But people on Twitter were getting upset because I was beating even the, the, the fastest television signal. And so I... After that, I resolved never again would I tweet penalty by penalty from inside the stadium because I didn't want to like piss off my followers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you're a journalist, Grant. You gotta you gotta report to the people what's going on. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I've never had that access before, just in terms of like being there for a for a major sporting event. Obviously, like when I broadcast games off monitor, I'm like I'm you know I I have the earliest feed that anyone can see. Um, but I've I've never live tweeted an event as a means of bothering anybody. <laughs> It's funny just the way it works. I, I am a happy cord cutter usually, but that's just one yeah. sort of downside is when you have to deal with the delay. But that's about it for me. Do you have anything else you want to add on this? Not particularly. I'm kind of interested just, to, again, that, that short turnaround. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. It's like 60 hours from now. 60, 65 hours from now? Like we're recording this right after the, the game ended. That's a short turnaround, and uh, I'll be curious how Greg Berhalter and the team handle it and, and what kind of performance we get from them on Sunday. Yeah, for all of uh, everyone who's listening, by the way, we're going to do these quick reaction podcasts after every U.S. men's national team game during the Gold Cup. I'm also going to be doing the for the U.S. women's national team after every Olympic game with Christine Cupo, who was on the show recently. Chris, thanks as always for joining me. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall, everyone. want to thank Chris for joining me. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit the subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. We'll be back soon. We'll have another interview with someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.